presented by the Vapor Technology Association. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Friday, March 1st. Here is what's driving the day. First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, build monuments in their honor, parties in the streets. The House and the Senate have sent the government shutdown patch to Biden's desk. Congress now has an extra week <laughs> to pass six of the dozen government spending bills. On Thursday, the Senate approved a stopgap funding bill, keeping us from a government shutdown on Saturday and buying them more time to figure out that half dozen bills. Now they have until March 8th to kind of get rid of that initial six bill bundle, which leaders struck a deal on earlier this week. So, you know, that's looking promising. But they are still trying to figure out an agreement on the rest of the bills. Remember, there's this two-tier funding system that was created by House Speaker Mike Johnson last year. That second tranche includes the military, some of the biggest domestic programs. That deadline is March 22nd. And given the enormity of, of those issues and the differences between the parties in those issues, <laughs> we might be in for a, a long one. Also today in Florida, U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon is going to consider moving the May 20th trial date for former President Donald Trump's federal classified documents case. They have a court conference that the former president plans to attend in person. On Thursday, the special counsel Jack Smith proposed a new trial date of July 8th. Trump's team is trying to kick the can much further down the road, first of all, after the 2024 election, but they say they would be okay with an August 12th alternative if Cannon is not open to that post-2024 election date. It's been a really strange week for President Trump and his legal woes, and so joining me now to discuss all of that is Politico's legal editor, James Ramoser. James, how are you? Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, Eugene. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm good. I'm good. Busy time for, for you and your team, so I know you're not sleeping that well. <laughs> so I'll try to get you out of here pretty quickly. You know, President Trump has kind of had a mixed week legally, and so I kind of want you to zoom out a little bit. We have some stuff that you guys are watching today. Tell me and the people what that mixed week has kind of looked like. Why don't we start with the criminal cases? And I think on the criminal side, he is having so far a quite good week. And the main reason for that is that on Wednesday, the Supreme Court essentially granted him a further delay in his federal election trial where he's accused of subverting the 2020 election. Um, and basically what the court did is that they agreed to hear his sort of somewhat far-fetched appeal on immunity grounds that he's totally immune from the charges most legal experts say that that argument has very little merit, but essentially by agreeing to take up the case at all, the Supreme Court has essentially further kept that case on hold and made it impossible for the case to go to trial until, I would say, late summer or early fall at the absolute earliest. And as we've talked about before, every day of delay in any of these cases helps Trump. Yeah, I mean, that feels really late. It feels 
to me, when I've been talking to legal experts over the last few months, that that case, that DC case, was the one that they felt would be in trial faster. But it feels like now the window is closing for some kind of federal trial quicker and quicker. Because even if the Supreme Court rules in favor of the government in April, the judge in the president's case seems to lean more toward giving time for, you know, the defense and, and the prosecution in preparing. And if he wins, the federal cases are going bye-bye. So I guess it's not just good for him. It's exactly, exactly what he's wanted. You know, this has been the, the game plan for him and his team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trump has made a habit of trying to stall these processes as much as possible. And right, if the Supreme Court does rule quickly and does indeed reject the immunity arguments and the case gets sent back to Tanya Chutkin, the, the D.C. trial judge who's overseeing the case, um, she could potentially try to move quite quickly and, and, and get the trial back on track. But basically, because of the timeline, it would require her to have Trump sitting in a courtroom in August or September or October or even November, even potentially on Election Day itself, which would be an amazing act of judicial courage if she's willing to try to do that. I don't even have the the mindset to be able to try to get through all of that. The idea of the former president sitting on Election Day in a court hearing about the last election. And James, what are you watching today? In his other federal criminal trial, which involves his attempts to hoard classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. He's facing a really pivotal hearing in Florida today in that case. And the number one agenda item on in that case, surprise, surprise, is how much that trial date will be delayed. So we'll be watching that quickly as well. So you're sensing a clear theme here. Just a little bit, just a little bit. You know, let's get into the civil trial section, right? Because that's where he's not had such a good week. So on the civil side, Trump is not faring nearly as well. Um, As most listeners probably know, he's now on the hook for over $500 million in civil judgments as a result of two massive verdicts that got handed down in the last month or so, um, one in the New York civil fraud case and the other in a defamation case brought by E. Jean Carroll. Trump is aggressively trying to delay payment of those judgments and avoid paying those judgments while he appeals. <laughs> and, and in fact, um, you know, in um, a pretty telling court filing this week, he essentially admitted that he does not have the cash on hand to come up with that money um, while he's appealing the verdicts, which one has to imagine is a blow to Trump's ego, um, given that he has, you know, repeatedly claimed that he's a multi multi billionaire. Um, But so far, the early indications are that the judges in those cases are not accepting his bids to avoid payment while he appeals. Now, I want to be clear because there has been some confusion about this. He doesn't actually have to come up with the money right away while he appeals. He doesn't have to put up the cash immediately. But if he doesn't, what it means is that the plaintiffs in the cases can attempt to collect the judgment, essentially by trying to seize his bank accounts or, or levy his properties and that kind of thing, which, of course, would itself be quite embarrassing for Trump. Although if they went that route, maybe Trump would try to spin it as, you know, yet another type of witch hunt against him. So we're going to have to see how that all plays out. But it is interesting that, you know, on these two tracks, while the Justice Department is not having much success in bringing Trump to trial on the criminal side, 
his civil plaintiffs are the ones who have been able to hold him accountable in some ways by kind of hitting him where it hurts, which is his wallet. And and his kind of uh, myth of of being this extra rich, very smart uh, businessman. So we will have your team will continue to, to watch all of that. And I, I wish you guys lots of Red Bull, coffee, tea, whatever you drink. <laughs> James, thanks for joining. Thanks, Eugene. I always have to be here. And a four-year schedule today, the Senate is in and the House is out because they've done so much work. This afternoon, President Biden is going to be holding a bilateral meeting with the Prime Minister of Italy. And make sure you tune in to the latest Playbook Deep Dive out this morning. This week, my boy Ryan sits down with Carlos Lozada, a Pulitzer Prize winning columnist for the New York Times. And before that, the longtime nonfiction book critic for the Washington Post. They discuss what his close reading of some people you may have heard of, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Mike Pence, to name a few, reveal about our politics in 2024. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. The music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, Callan Tansel Suddeth is our podcast producer. Annie Reese is our managing producer. Mike DeBonis and Zach Stanton are the people who keep us straight. They're our editors. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. A sponsored message from the Vapor Technology Association. President Biden, your administration is actively working against you. Robert Califf and Brian King are going rogue to force your hand on menthol cigarettes, and that's just the start. These unelected bureaucrats have been prioritizing politics over science, evident in their flavored vape ban. Letting the FDA dictate policy undermines your cancer moonshot goals. President Biden, it's time to take back control of your public health agenda.